Welcome to the first episode in this podcast series on governing pay, how did we get here and where next? I'm Harry Meek, an associate in the employee incentives team here in London. And I'm Kaylee Jones, also an associate in the team. In this episode, we'll start to look at the most recent legislative changes that have impacted remuneration disclosures, investor expectations and compliance with gov- corporate governance requirements in determining pay and the impact of COVID-19. So quite a lot to cover. Yeah, and on that note, let's get started. So first, the changes to corporate governance sources that affect public disclosures. Now, the government and regulators have generally followed the principle that greater transparency will bring about change. If an organisation has to disclose what it's doing on corporate governance, it's likely to examine what it's doing. So it will hopefully consider the required disclosure as an opportunity for self-improvement. And that's why we're looking at corporate governance in the context of disclosures. So Kaylee, what's changed in recent times and how does that affect corporate governance disclosures? So there are a few legislative changes from recent years which have direct relevance to the degree of openness with which companies engage with investors on these corporate governance issues. So firstly, for financial years starting since the 1st of January 2019, large companies are required to state in the strategic report section of their annual report how the directors have considered their Companies Act duties to promote the success of the company, taking into account factors including the interest of the company's employees. So similarly, the director's report must include statements on one, how the directors have considered the need to foster the company's business relationships with suppliers, customers and, in quotes, others. And second, what was done to give employees information that is relevant to them, consult with employees on decisions which affect them and encourage involvement in company performance, including through employee share schemes. These employee related disclosures are even more expressly relevant for this podcast. The UK Corporate Governance Code for listed companies also revised in 2018. It's now been enforced for most companies through almost two reporting seasons, but it's absolutely still a live development, as we'll discuss shortly. Yeah, and this developing landscape has also clearly been heavily impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Partly due to the various lockdowns and general uncertainty, the pandemic has resulted in acute focus on executive pay. That said, pay is always one of the key investor focal points when it comes to listed company corporate governance standards. Exactly. Each company's experience over the last 12 months or so will have been different, but investors are not just focusing on the bottom line financial results or even the share price. When they look at executive pay, they're interested in how companies have treated their workforce, shareholders and other stakeholders along the way. They're then scrutinising how much good performance can be said to be attributable to strong executive leadership, as opposed to atypical cost savings or tax breaks and the like. One quote, which I actually think sums things up quite nicely, comes from PLSA. They said that pension fund investors must be prepared to hold directors accountable on issues such as executive REM, which must, and I quote, demonstrate some recognition of wider societal expectations, the general economic environment and the returns to long term shareholders. The PLSA added that investors should consider voting against directors who they believe did not behave appropriately towards their workforce. So while executive pay seems to always be a hot topic, companies should expect even more scrutiny on their executive pay response to COVID-19. Investors, particularly those who've suffered reduced dividends, share price volatility, are watching very carefully. In addition, there's going to be general public interest in the extent to which executives are seen to have shared in any pain suffered by the workforce. This then links back to the reporting requirements we just mentioned. 
on those directors' duties to consider a range of stakeholders to report on how they've fostered business relationships and how they've engaged with and engaged employees in the success of the company. So there's continuing focus on the payout outcomes for executive directors in the current context, as set out in the director's remuneration report. This raises another key piece in the current corporate governance landscape, the expectations of investors and proxy advisors. Of course, listed companies have operated with proper cognizance of investor guidance for a long time, but with COVID, investors have issued guidance, which is both very detailed on their expectations and which in some cases is increasingly stark. We're perhaps accustomed to very clear messages on pay restraint from some investor bodies, but the Investment Association, Glass-Lewis and ISS have also published very clear expectations. And actually, Kayleigh, we'll see that on pension levels in episode three of this series. Yeah, thanks, Ari. Um, but also on bonuses in the context of the pandemic. So the Investment Association has been very clear that bonuses shouldn't be paid by companies that have taken COVID-19 support. That's not universal across all investor guidance, but it's noticeable that very firm or hard expectations are increasing, certainly more so than in the past. Before we finish with today, let's talk about how companies are complying with the Corporate Governance Code. It's a good yardstick on how corporate governance is developing. The FRC followed their 2020 review, which we're going to look at again in podcast three, on how companies have complied with the code in their 2020 annual reports, with guidance this earlier this year on improving the quality of comply or explain reporting. In particular, the FRC are concerned that companies are too focused on reporting strict full compliance with the risk of this formulaic tick box approach leads to boilerplate language and ineffective reporting without substance and the information about governance outcomes. In particular, the FRC are concerned that companies are too focused on reporting strict full compliance with the risk this formulaic tick box approach leads to boilerplate language and inefficient reporting without substance and information about corporate governance outcomes. The guidance therefore includes pointers for companies on how to assess and report compliance with certain code provisions and how to explain non-compliance. This covers a whole range of issues. To mention just three, first the FRC recommend that companies should embrace the code's flexibility. They should consider their circumstances carefully, choose what's best for them and explain clearly any departures from the code. Second, the FRC also highlight that care should be taken when reporting compliance. For example, they point out that to comply with provision 5 of the code, which has two separate requirements, companies should show how stakeholders' interests are taken into account for the purpose of Section 172 of the Companies Act and reporting on their method of employee engagement. There is a risk that some of the code provisions get conflated and compliance ticked off without considering it in full. And thirdly, other potentially tricky areas are engagement with workforce and shareholders when setting directors pay and describing the remuneration committee's work. The FRC state that if a company hasn't engaged with shareholders or the workforce in relation to pay, it's not compliant. It's not enough to seek the workforce's views on pay via surveys. Engagement should be two-sided. It's also necessary to explain any impact the engagement has had on remuneration policy. Thanks, Caitlin. This is all really to highlight that the 2018 code requirements continue to evolve and the expectation on companies' compliance, here from a regulatory body, are continuing to harden. Clearly, the FRC are not laying up pressure. 
They're not content to have the code being interpreted by companies. They're keeping a very watchful eye on how the so-called new code is being treated. The clear message here is that companies which don't pull up their socks and meet the regulators' expectations will end up in trouble. The FRC is almost going out of its way to help companies out and achieving the expected level of compliance. So it's likely to be increasingly severe where there's poor reporting in the future. This report, therefore, may well be a bit of an eye-opener for many firms, which may lead to look afresh at their approach to compliance with the 2018 code. It's now too late for the calendar year-end firms for the 2020 annual reports, so it's another key development for firms to be considering over the coming year. So to sum up, executive pay has always been impacted heavily by the corporate governance landscape. There are many corporate governance sources which may or may not be new. We've just looked at those in the Companies Act and the revised corporate governance code. In our next episode, we'll look at some of the others. So thanks, Harry, and thanks to our listeners.